You know, I've, uh, as most of you know, I've been sick the last week or so. But one great advantage to uh, getting the flu and getting a sore throat is your, you, your, your voice gets much more bass. And I think I sounded better tonight than I sounded in a long, long time. So that was, I was very pleased. As soon as everyone gets seated, I'll read our scripture. I read this evening from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, and verses 1 through 14. An old, familiar passage, which we've heard many, many times, but it never loses its beauty and its ability to comfort and just make my heart happy. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them, in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, unto them Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. What beautiful words. How thrilling would it have been to be present, to hear those angels when they burst into song that first Christmas Eve. I know it doesn't say that they were actually singing, but I hear them singing in my heart every time I read these beautiful words of Scripture. I think that maybe their praise for God was like a crowd cheering, applauding, applauding in response to something so very, very beautiful that had happened. God becoming a human being in the flesh. That's why we're here this evening. We're here to join in that applause. We're here to celebrate an occasion. To say it's a special occasion would not be saying enough. 
Because this is an occasion that is so beyond our understanding that all we can really do is stare in awe and amazement and wonder. Think of it. God becoming human flesh that he might show us the power of his great love, his love for all of us, for all of his people, whoever have lived and who will live. When they laid the first transatlantic cable across the bed of the Atlantic Ocean in Europe, they thought a lot about what the right words might be to be the first words to be broadcast over that line. And you know what they chose? It was the same message that the angels brought to the shepherds that night. The first words sent across that line were glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And that brings us to the first thing about this holy night. There is something very special about Christmas. Something that brings out the best in people. Now you may have been Christmas shopping this year and you might disagree with me. (laughs) From some of the experiences I've had. Only recently. In fact, as recent as yesterday. Or the day before, I guess it was. Standing in line. But you know, from some of the experiences that I've had in other places in life, every once in a while, I've heard a story. A story that revives my faith in people and in humanity. There are folks who are giving of themselves this Christmas season. Many, many folks. There are people in this community who are giving for a five-year-old boy and his family from Peru. A little boy named Hunter. They are living through a nightmare that's called cancer, leukemia. And the people of this community have bonded together and are doing what they can to help this family to walk beside them, to assist in whatever way we can, and not just this church, throughout the community, to help them through this time of crisis. I could tell you story after story, and you know many of them, if you've lived in this community for any period of time, you know that when there's a need, people step up and do what they need to do to assist others in need. Sure, people would help any time of the year, and they do, but there's something about the Christmas time, this special time of the year, that seems to bring out the best in many people. Maybe it's partly because at Christmas we're extra conscious of the people in our lives who mean the most to us. It's always this time of year, and particularly on this day, 
when, when I'm preparing for this service this evening, that it seems to hit me. I'll come and do as I usually do and sit and just meditate and think and pray for a little bit in the morning before anybody gets here. And this morning I sat in first or second row there, here alone in a, in a dark sanctuary, thinking about all the people who have been and still are an important part of my life. It's a time of year when we think about those who are no longer with us. It's a time of year when we miss them. It's a time of year when we, I hope, too, are thankful for those who are with us still. And we make an extra effort, make that phone call, send that email, drop by, say hello, remind them that we love them and that we're really thinking about them, particularly this time of year. And then when we get together with family and friends and church family, it warms our hearts because I think above all other times of year, Christmas is a time when we think much about relationships. Our relationship with God, I hope, and our relationship with all the people that we love. Over the past few years, we have been through a time that has been a difficult time to maintain relationships. Things have just not been normal. I'm thinking about the pandemic, of course. In December of 2019, when COVID-19 first emerged in China, we could not in our wildest dreams have imagined what was about to happen. And not only what was about to happen, but how disruptive it would be to all of our lives. Nobody was left out. Seven million people dead worldwide. Families affected so greatly. Public events, including church, right here, and in most churches, canceled, unheard of. We didn't know what was coming. Hospitals filled to overflowing. Medical people overworked to the point of utter exhaustion and to the point of wanting to quit. Families divided over arguments as to whether you should be vaccinated or not. Friendships destroyed over those kinds of arguments. So much happened and we couldn't, we, we could not have seen it coming. But in the midst of all of that, I heard stories, lots of stories, and I continue, they continue to surface as the months go by of hardship on ordinary people. People like a lady named Mary Daniel and her husband's name was Steve. They were a couple who were separated for better than four months because of restrictions at the senior facility where Steve lived. You see, seven years earlier, 
At the age of only 59, Steve was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And he was placed in a memory care unit, as should be. Well, during this time, Mary had been visiting Steve every night. And she would get him ready for bed at the senior care center. But when the pandemic hit, we all know what happened. Healthcare facilities closed their doors to visitors to prevent the spread of COVID. Mary was suddenly unable to see her husband. They'd been married for 24 years and had very few days when they did not see one another during those years. And she was worried about spending so much time away from him and him being alone. She often said to her friends, Alzheimer's patients need to be touched. My Steve needs to be touched. But love finds a way. And Mary was determined. She was going to be with her husband. And then an opportunity came. She heard that a job was available in Steve's memory care unit in that facility. They needed someone to wash dishes. It was not a glamorous job, but it allowed her to be with her beloved husband and to get him ready for bed. And that was what she did until he died late last year. There were stories of this kind of hardship taking place all over the world. Mary Daniel's story reminds me of another Mary who experienced a very difficult time in her life. This Mary found herself in the final month of her pregnancy, riding on a humble donkey, headed for the tiny town of Bethlehem, where she was turned away from the only inn because there was no room for her. She was forced to give birth in a stable. Then before she could come back home, she found out that the evil king wanted her son dead. And so she found herself and her husband, her, her to-be husband Joseph fleeing to Egypt to escape the murderous plans of King Herod. Life was not easy for the family of Jesus, but love found a way because love always does. There is something about Christmas that brings out the best in many people. At Christmas, we are especially conscious of the people in our lives who mean the most of us. But the most important thing about Christmas is that it reminds us that we live in God's world and that God is present in our world. God is here with us this evening or wherever we go. A wonderful example of the presence of God in our world is found in the story of George Frederick Handel. You might know Handel's story. Handel was at a low point in his life. He was deep in debt. His health wasn't good. He'd recently suffered a cerebral hemorrhage and was paralyzed on the right side of his body. For four years, he was not able to walk. He was not able to write. The doctors could do nothing more for him. He managed to write several operas, 
slowly but surely. But they were not successful enough to pull him out of debt. And so, at age 60, he thought life was finished. Then he was challenged by a friend to read, or I'm sorry, to write a religious musical story. He began to study and read the scriptures, and he went to work. For 24 days, he said, he slept and ate very little. Mostly he worked frantically to produce a new piece. Before he began to work on it, Handel was convinced that his life was over. Was this all there is, a lifetime of composing with little to show for it, but a lot of music that nobody wanted, and nothing but financial ruin and poor health? He thought he, he was done. But having been encouraged by a friend, he wrote his crowning achievement. You might have heard of it. It's called Messiah. And here's how the story ends. King George was invited to attend the first performance of Messiah in London in 1743. The whole audience was extremely moved by the beautiful, beautiful music they heard, as was the king. When the words, and he shall reign forever and ever, were sung in the hallelujah chorus, the king himself, rose to his feet. The audience, seeing the king standing up, also rose to their feet. And it is still a custom for the audience to stand during that part of the performance to this very day. A fitting end to a piece of music that was, I believe, inspired by God. There is something about Christmas that brings out the best in many people. At Christmas, we are conscious of the people in our lives that mean the most to us. And Christmas reminds us that we live in God's world and that God is here with us and that God has a plan for humankind and that that plan has never changed. Jesus Christ was born. That same Jesus will return to reestablish his kingdom on this earth. May we all do as much as we can this Christmas and in the new year to come to help usher in that new kingdom. Amen.